Welcome to the Ortho Eval Pal podcast, where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, for your host, Paul Marquis. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 228 of the Ortho Eval Pal podcast. I'm your host, Paul Marquis, PT. Today, we're going to be talking about Russian stimulation or NMES, neuromuscular electrical stimulation. We'll be going over some of the indications for Russian stimulation. We'll be talking about electrode placement, some of the tips for proper use, contraindications, diagnoses treated with Russian stimulation, and so much more. But be sure to listen because we have a few words from our sponsors coming up. At MedCore Professionals, we offer mobility aids, bracing and supports, compression garments, post-mastectomy care, and much more. Your health and well-being are important to us. Your recovery is our priority. Our certified team will guide you to the right products based on your medical needs, recent procedures, or mobility restrictions. Visit us on Route 1 in Scarborough or at MedCorePro.com. We are Mark and Kelly Hassett, owners of MedCore. And we keep you moving forward. This episode is sponsored by MedBridge. Harnessing the power of technology to help you advance your career and improve patient outcomes, MedBridge delivers over 2,000 evidence-based CE courses and more than 7,000 specialized patient exercises available whenever you need them from wherever you are. MedBridge goes beyond CEUs. They're leading the space. From interactive webinars led by top industry leaders to the first-ever HEP patient mobile app, MedBridge has taken learning to the next level for over 200,000 PTs, OTs, ATs, SLPs, and nurses, and those they serve. For a limited time, use promo code OEP to receive $175 off your annual subscription. Welcome back, everyone. So, how many of you have... Russian stimulation sitting in your office and there's dust collecting all over it. Um, or maybe it's a form uh, of stimulation that sits in a TENS unit that you just don't use very often. Um, you know, a lot of people used to use it in the past thinking that you could build muscle strength with it. And there's been a lot of controversy about that. But more importantly, I think we need to look at Russian stimulation as a way to get the muscle to activate a little bit better. Okay, so remember, Russian stimulation is a form of tense transcutaneous electrical nerve stimulation. It's also called neuromuscular electrical stimulation. And, um, you know, what we do is we utilize it to help retrain neuromuscular function lost from reflex inhibition. Now, I know I'm throwing a lot of stuff out at you, but, you know, reflex inhibition is basically the shutdown of a muscle because there is um, an adjutant there, okay? So in the knee, for example, which is the easiest joint to talk about when it comes to using Russian stimulation, um, if you have swelling, if you have pain, if you have instability, that causes this reflex shutdown of your quad muscle, and therefore it makes it difficult, even if you're sending the messages from your brain to the muscle sometimes, to make it contract. And Russian stimulation can help you reactivate um, those muscles. So we often you know, associate Russian stimulation with the quad shutdown, but it can be used for many different diagnoses, okay? So first, I want to start with how Russian stimulation works. So it's basically a high-frequency stimulation, electrical stimulation, that is used to contract muscles by depolarizing that alpha motor neuron, okay? So the motor that is directly going to the muscle it helps it depolarize it, basically turning the switch on so electricity can get to the light so the light can turn on, okay? Now... 
again, some people think that it will build muscle strength. I mean, you turn that thing on and you see it contracting the muscle and they've done all kinds of commercials, you know, where they've had these stimulators on the abdominals and you see those abs just flying all over the place. And that was really false advertising. Okay. Um, it doesn't really work that way. Yes, it does reactivate the muscle. It helps it to contract, but really it's there to assist you to learn how to do it better. Okay. So when should we use it? Well, you can use it whenever somebody's having difficulty actively contracting a muscle, okay? So it could be somebody who's had a CVA and maybe they have a foot drop or a wrist drop uh, or they have a weakness that maybe they have um, some difficulty activating their deltoid and they're having a little separation at the glenohumeral joint. Um, you can help those people kind of re-educate those muscles. You can use it for anybody who's had like some reflex inhibition. So whenever you take a scope and put it in a joint, you're going to get some shutdown of the surround musculature and uh, therefore have less stability and less strength so you can utilize it for any of those okay um, so let's talk about the application now one of the things you need to remember with uh, any form of electrical stimulation is you've got to go over your contraindications first okay um, so you ask the patient uh, do they have a cardiac pacemaker are they pregnant um, you don't want to be doing this you know through the head uh, you I don't like to go transthoracically so through the thorax um, you don't want to be uh, you know doing it on somebody who's had just a recent, um, repair of a rupture, okay, a quad rupture or a tendon rupture in the forearm, let's say, you don't want to be contracting that muscle really hard if you wouldn't contract it actively because you know it's going to cause a problem or cause damage to the tendon. You don't want to contract it artificially. So you want to be careful with that. It's very important that you explain to the patient what they are going to feel, okay? Um, because Russian stimulation is not comfortable, okay? And if it's not comfortable, they may not be likely to want to do it again if they don't know what to expect, okay? So you, you tell them. It's kind of like, you know, you get this tingling sensation at first when you're first starting to turn it on. And then when you're turning it up high enough, I wouldn't use the word depolarization, but for us listening, all us medical providers listening to us, we basically turn it up enough so that we can depolarize the nerve or basically turn the switch on and it sends the messages to the muscles, okay? And that muscle contracts. But when it contracts artificially like that, it's kind of like a bite. It's just a grab of that muscle. It's a little uncomfortable. It's way more uncomfortable than contracting it yourself, okay? The other thing you need to be considering is, you know, pad size and pad placement, okay? So if you have a pad that is too big, let's say for a small person, uh, or you're using a large pad on a forearm where it covers several different muscles, you may not get the contraction in the muscle that you're looking for, and it may be overpowered by others. So the closer you are to, you know, lots of motor units, the more contraction you're going to get. So you want to make sure that pad placement is correct. So if you're doing like a quad, let's say, and you want to get that VMO, you put that smaller pad on the VMO, you put a larger pad proximal um, on the quad, and usually you want to keep those pads in the, you know, the musculotendinous junction. That's where you have most of your motor units. That's where you'll get a better firing. Also, in regards to distance, um, the further you put those electrodes apart, the deeper that current will go. And so you'll probably depolarize a little bit faster. If the person is really hairy, you also want to shave that area so that you can get good contact. Because remember, hair is a resistor, just like dry skin is, and um, it will cause more discomfort, okay? And you will not get a good depolarization of that nerve if it's really hairy. So you want to make sure that um, you remove the hair 
and uh, sometimes using a little moist hot pack over that area so those electrodes can really stick well. Now most of the electrodes now are already pre-gelled and um, they're self-sticking and you're, they're reusable. If they start to dry out though, they may not uh, send a great message and uh, not send a good electrical impulse. So it's important that uh, you know if you find that they're getting dry, sometimes just a drop of water on them, rub it in there. Um, that may moisten it enough to get another treatment or two out of it. But if they do get too dry and you want to continue using Russian stimulation, you probably should get some new electrodes. Now, as far as um, other placements uh, of the pad, you want to make sure that you don't put them over an open wound or, uh, you know, in, in an acute situation, this is, this is quite uncomfortable. So you want to make sure that you don't do that. And as far as timing goes, uh, as, you know, with parameters, usually you want to do this for about, you know, 10 minutes or so. Artificially stimulating a muscle is extremely, extremely fatiguing, okay? And on a physiologic level, which is a story for another day, that um, can fatigue your patient quite a bit. And uh, so you really don't want to be doing it for too long or with too high an intensity. Now, one of the things I make sure that I do is when I set them for 10 minutes, I also adjust the ramp on it so that it ramps up slowly, okay? Just like you would with iontophoresis, you want that... that current to increase slowly so it's not like a big zap um, to the muscle and then you get this really fast contraction. I like it to contract, you know, nice and easy. Uh, unless you're, you know, a really high level athlete and you're really looking for that really quick response and really quick contraction, then you might keep that ramp down. But the general population of people who are having a little discomfort, they're having a lot of um, quadriceps suppression or muscle suppression, you want to ramp that up nice and easy. And the other reason I want to do that slow ramp is because I tell the patient, as you feel the stimulation come on, contract with it. And that's the most important part about Russian stimulation is the ability to turn the muscle on and to turn it off and to turn it on and to turn it off. So if you can start to do that and turn it on better, you're going to be um, responding a lot better. That muscle is going to start to fire at the right time. You're going to develop much better you know, stability. So as far as time on, I like about 10 seconds on and you're trying to contract with it. And then as far as the time off, if you are doing heavy, heavy contractions, you want a 50 second recovery. Okay. So that you get about, you know, 10 to 15 contractions in about a 10 to 15 minute period. Okay. If, um, the, com the contractions are like sub-maximal, then there's nothing wrong with going 10 and 10. So if I'm just getting somebody started and I really want to teach them how to turn it on, turn it off, turn it on, turn it off, and they're not like contracting um, to, to blow the tiles out of the place, then I will do a 10 and 10 and that works really well. That way you get more contractions uh, in that time. So again, make sure you explain what that's going to feel like because it can be a little bit uncomfortable. So there is, you know, application, pad size, uh, timing. And if you set them all up and everything is like looking perfect, you turn up that current and they're not feeling anything. Or maybe they feel a little something, but there's no contraction happening. You need to be thinking about a couple things. Number one, you could have a bad electrode. Now, I've seen some of the wires come undone inside the pad, and uh, they're just not getting contact, okay? So you really don't want to turn them up to, like, 60 and then start wiggling around wires, you know, trying to figure it out because if it, if it contacts, um, the patient will probably contact you. And so you want to make sure that if you're messing around with electrodes or w working with wires or changing pad placements, um, you want to make sure you turn that current all the way down, okay? 
Now, you could also have a bad placement of the pad. So if it's not just in a good spot where you're getting a lot of that recruitment, um, you may want to move that pad over a little. I'm telling you, a centimeter can make a huge difference. Turn the electricity down and then change the pad placement, turn it back up and until you find you know the right spot that's really giving you the best contraction that you want. Um, you know, make sure that your leads are plugged into the machine. So if they're they're plugged into the generator machine, make sure they're plugged in well um, before you even start. Because there's nothing worse than having that current up there and then saying, "Oh, look at this! The you know the wire is not plugged in." And you push it in, and then you know they go through the roof. Uh, that could be damaging to the muscle, and it could be um, you know you could lose that patient. They, they may not want to come back because of a stupid little mistake like that. So you know, check your machine over, make sure it works well, and uh, make sure that everything is plugged in you've got good electrodes good leads and that'll be really helpful now here's a nice little trick that i've learned over time um if you have no contraction like you're turning it up you know there's a nerve-related injury here going on, um, and the muscle is just not contracting. If you have a severe peripheral lesion, okay, like a laceration or the nerve has been torn completely that is going to the muscle, um, you may not get a contraction at all. So you're turning it up, turning it up, turning it up, and they're like, you know what, I feel this like burning under the electrodes, but the muscle is not tightening at all, okay? You may have a peripheral nerve lesion. So... That is different than an upper motor neuron lesion. Um, people with strokes and other upper motor neuron problems will have great contraction typically with Russian stimulation. So if you're suspecting a peripheral nerve lesion and you didn't suspect it before or nobody suspected it before, it's a good idea to send that patient off maybe for an EMG or nerve conduction velocity test. But if you want to get those muscles contracting and you know they have a peripheral lesion, um, use a DC current stimulator, Okay. That's a podcast for another day. But DC will directly stimulate the muscle to fire and turn on. And um, I have people try to turn on the muscle while we're stimulating them. And you may need to go in that direction if Russian doesn't work. Okay. So what are some of the situations where you might want to use Russian stimulation or NMES, which you hear a lot more of these days. And you don't have to be tied to a really big unit. Now, they have portable units where you can have people go home and use these at home. But some of the situations you might want to use this with are things like, you know, wrist drop or if people are having you know difficulty activating the wrist flexors, they might have had a serious trauma to the arm. Um, you, can, you can do it really on any muscle. There are muscles that you see this used on much more. Like I like to do it when people come in with long thoracic nerve palsies or a winging scapula. I like to put a couple pads, you know, right where those rhomboids are. And I might even get right on the ridge of the scapula so we can hopefully activate that serratus a little bit. And then while uh, that stimulation is on, I'm having them do things like weight bearing activities or maybe even shoulder flexion and abduction. It's amazing how much more they can do for exercise while the stimulation is on. So I really like to do it for that. Um, obviously, we're doing it for quad shutdown. We see that a a lot. The quad shuts down really easily with, um, you know, anything that causes distension in the knee, swelling in the knee, pain or instability. Uh, you know, anytime they've had injury or surgery around the knee in that area, that quad will shut down. So, you know, it's really easy to put on the quad works really well for that also. And then I like to use it a lot for foot drop. Uh, you know, when people are just, they have a little bit of contraction, but they're just having a hard time getting it all the way up there, I might throw a little uh, Russian stimulation on there just to have them get a little bit further, okay? Um, so, with that being said, you know, a few tips 
in regards to Russian stimulation. Uh, I always like to start my patients with the attempt to actively contract themselves, okay, without anything. And if they can show me that they can contract that muscle and they, and it's it's starting to work a little bit, I might just leave that alone and work with that because there is really nothing better than au natural, okay? Your brain sending the message down the nervous system to those muscles and those muscles contracting, it's really the best way to do it. Now, if they can't, um, sometimes they may need a little assistance. I like to jump into biofeedback. Biofeedback really gets the patient actively involved and they have something to look at. They, they see that that muscle is starting to activate, but they can activate it more so they can push a little bit harder. So again, that's a little more active. Um, and then you might throw in some facilitatory techniques like, you know, I don't do a lot of neuro, but I did have a great neuro clinical and learned a lot about facilitation. Things like, you know, tapping the muscle or um, maybe even if it's a patella, you know, a quad, you're doing some patella mobilization and getting a quick stretch on that quad to get it to fire better. Maybe even a vibratory tool uh, to get that muscle working a little bit better. But if people are really, really struggling and, and you've done a lot of these things and they really can't do it, then jump into some Russian stim. And oftentimes people will get, they'll have one treatment and they'll learn how to use that muscle better and uh, they don't always have to have it. The other thing is I really think that people do their exercises more because I tell them if you have the Russian stimulation and you do okay, um, but you don't do your exercise and you come back, we're probably going to use the Russian stimulation again. And I'll tell you what, that gets them to do their home exercises because it's not super comfortable. And like I said, you can get you know home units that work really well and uh, that, that can help to get those muscles fired up once or twice a day um, to work on that you know at home. So... Whew, folks, that is our show today on Russian stimulation and neuromuscular education. And um, I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope that we gave you maybe a few tips just to help you feel more confident using Russian stimulation. And maybe you you know dust that sucker off and you start to use it with patients with some good success. If you have any questions, please you know let me know and I can definitely help walk you through that again. And uh, I um, you know have some videos out on YouTube and uh, I'll put a link in the show notes so you can take a look at my video and how I explain on a person how Russian stimulation uh, works and uh, you know how. You know, all these little tips that we talked about today. So um, if uh, you have any ideas for me or any questions that you'd like me to throw onto uh, the, our podcast, please feel free to send those over to me. Be sure that uh, you take a look at our website and our YouTube channel. And, uh, you know, I hope you find some value in all the content that we bring to you. So, folks, again, it was so nice chatting with you today and, um, you know, doing this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and take care. We hope you've enjoyed the show. For some more awesome content, go to orthoevalpal.com. Can't wait to see you there.